All right, all in. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 is the, uh, the keystone scripture that we've been talking about for the entire month. And I want to read it with you, and then we're going to get, it, get ready to get into tonight's message. But I just want to read uh, that scripture again, Colossians 3, 23. Out of the message translation, the Bible says this. It says, do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. God tells us to do our best in everything that we do, in who we are and how we conduct ourselves, who we are at work, who we are uh, at home, everywhere that we are and everything that we're involved with. The Bible says, do your best. So that's been the series uh, that we've been spending uh, time on this month. And I thank God for, for coming to uh, the house of God and hearing the truth of God's word. I thank God for his holy word, for the truth that he gives us. You know, we can go into God's word and we could find the truth for any area of our life. Anything that you're going through tonight, any situation, any circumstance, any hardship, any trial, any doubt, any fear, anything that you and I are going through, we can go into God's word and find the answer for that. Can you say amen tonight? We can search in and through God's word, each and every time. And it's a blessing to know because in this world, truth, that topic of truth has become so subjective, hasn't it? As the years pass, I mean, think about your lifetime. When you were a lot younger, how things were back then and what truth was back then and how, how as time has progressed and time has gone on, as society changes, there are new definitions of what truth is. So it's, it's, it's something that's very, that has become very subjective. And we hear things and people say that, well, the truth is it's what's true to you. What's true to you? What's true to you? I mean, depending who you are and your upbringing, what's true to you? Whatever you've come from, that's your truth. But I thank God in a world that's filled with so much subjectivity that we can look into God's holy word as our ultimate standard of truth. Can you say amen? This is still as relevant today as it's ever been. And everything that's in here is God's holy truth and his holy word for any topic. Your security. Who you are. What defines you. Who you are not. It tells us how to, to view our problems, to, to have the right perspective on our trials that we're going through. What it says about your children and their place in the home and what your responsibility is, parent, to train them. God's word is filled with that truth. Every aspect of our life, God's word has an answer. And God's word even has an answer and a definition for the topic of love. And as, if we're going to venture and talk anything about love, any topic under that heading of love, it's only because we can look at God's truth to define and see what that really means. And we have a beautiful example, can you say amen, of what love is and who love is, and that's Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Don't you thank God for what he did and how he came and he loved us so much. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God loved us so much that he gave his only son his only son to die for us because without Christ without God's holy word our definitions of yes even love are all over the board all over the place 
The world defines love in all kinds of different ways. Isn't that true tonight? The world's definition of love is all over the place. It says, I will love you if you give me this. Some define love as that. I will love you if you will scratch my back. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. I will love you up until you cross me or betray me. I'll love you if you love me back. Selfish love, conceited love. But we can only understand what true love is by looking at God's word. And tonight I want to minister a message entitled, Love Like You Mean It, tonight. Love Like You Mean It. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to read this together and then we're going to get into it tonight. 1 John 4, 7. The Bible says this. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who, is, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. We're going to talk about love tonight. If we're going to get into this. We have to start with Jesus. Isn't that right? We have to start with Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Bible says. If we're going to talk about love, if we're going to look and study what love is, we're going to have to look at Jesus because he is the perfect example of love, of how to love. He is our perfect and our prime example, our Messiah, our Savior. John chapter 15 verse 13 says this, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, you think about Jesus, how he came, and it's, it's amazing as we're, we're preparing to get into Good Friday and Easter's coming up and, you know, Passion Week, you know, and, and we're, we, we learn about the life of Jesus and how much he loved us and how passionate he was for us. He had every right to, when he, when he came from heaven to, to live on this earth for the 30, 33 years that he was here, he had every right to live in royalty, to, to sit on a throne and to, and to rule with, with, with perfection. He had every right. If anyone had any right to do that, it was Jesus Christ. But what did he do? He came in humility. He was born in a manger. There wasn't even, the Bible says, there wasn't even room for him in the end. There wasn't even room for him. There was, there was no place for him, and, and he, he lived in poverty. What do you say? Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but yet the, the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. But he sacrificed, didn't he? He sacrificed for you and I. He sacrificed. He lived a life of sacrifice. He stood in the gap for us as well. 1 John 3.16, it says that we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We're going to be talking about love tonight. And the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to be giving our lives up for others. We're supposed to be sacrificing. Now the world's definition of love and our selfish, our selfish ambition and our selfish love will say that I'll only love you up until it's convenient for me. When it gets inconvenient, then I have to put on the brakes. Don't you thank God that that wasn't Jesus' attitude when it came to us? 
right? That it wasn't convenient for him, that he, he didn't do it just when, fever, uh, when, when people gave him a pat on the back, but he loved us up until, yes, up until death he loved us. He died for us. He sacrificed. He stood in the gap. And as God calls you and I to stand in the gap for our loved ones, for those around us, for the, the, the lost and dying world, to stand in the gap, when God calls you to step in and say yes, that you will say yes. And we do it selflessly. We do it unto the Lord, right? It may not be convenient. It may not feel good. But if your motivation is love and doing it unto our Heavenly Father and the kingdom of God, you are going to be blessed tonight. Can you say amen? You say yes to Jesus, you stand in the gap, you stand in the gap for, uh, for where God's called you, you are going to be blessed. Stand in the gap tonight. Now, you know what that means for you, for your life, for your family, for your ministry. Standing in the gap is, is many times it's not convenient. It's going to cost us something, but as we do it unto the Lord, we are storing up treasures in heaven. Stand in the gap. As we look at Jesus' life, we understand and we see that he was graceful. He was graceful, and he is graceful to you and I. Now, what's the definition of grace? Grace is unmerited favor. God's gracious to you. Here we are in church tonight, midweek, man. I don't know what kind of day you had. I don't know, I don't know if, it, if it feels like a Friday to you. To me, have, you have one of those weeks sometimes that, man, it feels like Friday. It feels like such a long week, but we're only halfway through. But look at us tonight. Look at you. You're here in the house of God. We're in the presence of God and the peace of God. We're able to, to just give it up to Jesus for a while, to just focus on him and hear his word. He's so graceful. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. This is... The instance here where the Lord passed in front of Moses. The Bible says in verse 6, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is a God of compassion and mercy. Perhaps growing up, you've had all kinds of co different concepts about who God is, right? Sometimes we, we think of him as, as a judge that's ready to just knock us over the head with that, with that bat that he has because of all the things that we've done wrong. The devil will lie to us to keep us outside of the kingdom of God, to tell us that we're washed up. You messed up one too many times. God is through with you. That's what the devil will try to tell you and convince you of. But our Bible says here, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's for you tonight. Can you say amen? Someone in here needs to, to hear that tonight. You think that God's mad at you? You think that God's cast you off? You think that God's turned his back on you? He hasn't turned his back on you. He's a God of compassion and mercy. He's slow to anger and he's filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He wants to be faithful to you. He wants to show you his compassion and his mercy. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. This is, and we're, we're looking at Jesus' attitude and how he loved. We're looking at all these scriptures because it reveals something about our heavenly Father, our loving Savior. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, 
he died for you. While God was the furthest thing from your mind, while you and I were lost in sin and just worrying about what we could do to make us feel good, to, to fill that void in our heart, while that was our business and that was is all we were concerned about, no matter how much it hurt other people, no matter, matter how far it took us from, away from God, he still loved us and he still said, yes, I will die for him. I will die for her because I love them. Amen. He stood for truth. The love that Jesus had caused him to stand for truth. 1 John 3.18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Another scripture in 1 Corinthians 13.6, it does not, talking about love, it does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Stand for truth. Love will cause you to stand for truth. It may not be popular all the time. It may not be the popular thing, perhaps there at your workplace or there at home or, 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 or whatever uh, situation and setting you find yourself in. But as you stand for the truth and love, God's going to bless it and God's going to honor it. If we love like Jesus loved, we understand that his love was redemptive. Now, I love the story of Simon Peter. And, and Pastor Dan touched on that, I believe it was on Sunday, and he talked about Simon Peter and, and how, how Simon Peter, I mean, there's so many scriptures, and we learn so much about Peter in the, in the Word of God and how sometimes he was a loose cannon, and, and he didn't really think about what he was saying, and he would say, he would ask these, these bold and these crazy questions, and, and, and Simon Peter was a very colorful person in the Word of God. He was the one that said, yes, Jesus, if that's you, call me upon the water, and I'll take that step, and I'll, and I'll dare to walk on the water. Simon Peter. A bold man, the man that when they were arresting Jesus was the one that took his sword out and took a swing at one of the soldiers. That was Simon Peter, passionate. Again, sometimes a loose cannon and crazy and said crazy things, but nevertheless, we read a lot about Peter in the Word of God. And I love how we could see the redemptive love of Jesus Christ when it comes to, to his disciples and specifically Peter. And I think about, as we look in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 18, we see the very first instance where Jesus called, when he was calling his disciples, he was recruiting his disciples, and here he called Simon Peter, and in Mark 1, 16 through 18, the Bible says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Just like that. There's so many ways that we, that people can get down on, on, on Peter, right? And the disciples in general for the mistakes they made. But listen to that. Look at that. That Jesus called them, and, and right away they left their nets and they followed him. That's bold faith. They sacrificed, and they, they decided to leave the familiar, and they said, yes, I'll follow him. So we see that in, in the very first instance that we hear about Simon Peter. And then throughout the scriptures, we, we, we learn about Peter, and we understand who he is by the questions that he asked and, and the circumstances that we see that he was involved in. And yes, even up until the betrayal of Christ when he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he took a swing at, at that, that soldier, and he was put to the test. 
We remember Simon Peter was the one that said, that told Jesus, even though the rest of these will betray you, I never will. Isn't that us sometimes? That Lord, I'm with you until the hubcaps fall off. I, I'm with you all the way. But the next day we fall flat on our face. Lord, this is the last time I'll mess up. Lord, just forgive me. This is the last time I'll do it. Take me back. Forgive me. And then what happens the next day? We, we fall flat on our face. And we can make mistake in trespass after trespass. And we could, we could continually to mess things up as God puts them back together for us, right? Man, we have that capacity to just mess things up by our actions, by our words. And here was Simon Peter as we now jump forward towards the end here of, of, of Jesus' final days here on earth. John chapter 21, verse 16. As we understand that, that, that Jesus revealed to Simon and foretold that he would deny him three times. And at that moment, Peter said, no, never me, Lord. I'll never do that. But God knows this. Isn't that right? And Jesus was betrayed. He was crucified and he rose again. And here we have a beautiful picture of how he revealed himself to the disciples once again as he had risen here. John 21, 16 through 19. Jesus repeated the question as he, as he talked to Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. That Jesus asked the question a third time. And we get the picture of what's going on here. Jesus was questioning him three times. Three times. He denied Christ three times. Isn't that right? He denied Christ three times. So here were three questions that Jesus, and I love how, how Jesus was just getting right into his heart. He asked, he asked him these questions three times. Do you love me? Yes, he said. Do you love me? Yes, he said. And the third time, he asked him, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked and dress yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, listen to this, follow me. Follow me. He brought him full circle. From the very first day that Jesus met Simon Peter, he called him and he said, follow me. And Peter was following him, but he has his hang-ups. He had his betrayal, his, his, his denying of Christ. And, and Jesus still gracefully told him, follow me. What does that show us, church? God's plan for you is still intact. The devil would love to convince you that because you messed up and you made a bad decision, that you were washed up, that God's plan for you is destroyed, that God is done with you. But here we see this beautiful passage in the scripture that Jesus initially told Peter, follow him. And while Peter made all these mistakes and, and denied Christ, yes, even three times, he told him, follow me. And that's what's God, what God's telling you tonight. Perhaps you're in this place and you've come back from, from a long time of doing your own thing and you're backslidden and heart perhaps the Lord's saying follow me yeah I understand what you've done I know where you've been I know the decisions that that you've made but I still say 
follow me. I still have a plan for you. Can you say amen? Isn't that good news tonight? God still has a plan and a purpose for you for whoever you are. Perhaps you're watching online and, and you feel that you're done and that your purpose and, and God's plan for you in this world is finished, but it's not. While there is breath in your lungs, God has a plan and a purpose for you tonight. God's plan is intact for you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. God's graceful. He is redemptive. So God's love is sacrificial. Our love should be sacrificial. God is full of compassion and mercy. We should strive to be filled with compassion and mercy. The Lord is redemptive. We should have that same attitude and heart to be redemptive to others. Sometimes we have to get our, off our high horses. If we feel that we've been doing something so long and, and praise God, by the grace of God, we're still here serving God. But what is our attitude when that person walks into the house of God that we haven't seen for a long time? What kind of words do you speak to them? Do you encourage them with love and, man, it's so great to see you? Or do you jam them? Where have you been? What's going on with you? What's the deal with you? Little do we know the decisions and, and the trials that they had to make to walk through those doors. God, help us to be, to, to be representative, representatives and ambassadors of Christ, to receive them with loving arms. That's who you and I are. We're the loving arms of Christ. Be careful with what we say. Let our words be, be filled with grace and, yes, truth, but with love. Receive them back. Receive them back. Receive them back. God's calling them. God's calling them, and he's called you and I to love on them and to receive them back. Praise God. Love like Jesus loved. As we look, as we talk about love, we look at the life of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph, and uh, as we look in the book of Genesis, there's, there's, there's many chapters on Joseph, but we understand the story how the story of Joseph is a story of betrayal and of love and of redemption. Now Joseph was, was favored in the eyes of his father and his brothers became very jealous and, and Joseph had his own hang-ups and he, he started to, to, to get on his brother's case. He would reveal these revelations that he had that basically said to his brothers, yes, you're going to bow to me one day. You know, and he, he, he revealed these things and through the, the, the course of time, they began to, to, they began to hate him and they began to dislike him and hate him for what he was saying and they sold him into slavery. They told, they told their father that he was dead. Imagine that. Man, his brother's turning them like that and lying to the father that your, your favorite son is dead. They created this lie, and then they sold him into slavery. And through the span of time, he became second in command in all of Egypt. And there's so much that we could talk about, so much time. But I want to point this out. As you read the story of Joseph, what happens is, God works it out to where, because of his wisdom, he basically saved all of Egypt and because of the wisdom that God gave him. And here comes his brothers. And Joseph was in a place to, to deal out vengeance. He had the power and the authority. Anything that he wanted to do at that moment, he was able to do. The tables turned here. While he was once unfavored and he was looked down upon, he was now second in command in all of Egypt. And God worked it out to where his brothers were brought before him. 
and what temptations were there for Joseph, perhaps to get revenge, perhaps to get vengeance because of what they did to him. What would you and I have done? What happens when you and I are now on the, the giving end of that relationship and situation where previously we were betrayed and we were hurt and someone, someone did some things that really hurt us and now we're in a position to deal that back to them? What will you do? What will you do? We're talking about character tonight. We're talking about these things internally in our hearts that if we're able to deal vengeance and, and, and retribution for someone for hurting us, is that what we do? Or do we thank God for his loving mercy that he's had on our life? And do we show that compassion and mercy over them? That yes, we are in a good position to say something, to just jam them and to, and to hurt them like they hurt us. We're in a place, perhaps in a situation, to, to show them, yeah, you're going you're gonna to learn what you did to me. Isn't that our attitude sometimes? I'm going to make you feel the hurt that I felt. But look at what Joseph did. He was in this perfect spot to be able to do that if he wanted. But in Genesis chapter 45, verse 15, we see the love here that Joseph demonstrated. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. Here was the revelation where Joseph revealed to his brothers that I'm your, I'm your brother. I'm the one that you betrayed. I'm the one that, that you told our father that I was dead. I'm the one that you sold into slavery. And although it's in my power to hurt you and to kill you and to destroy you, what do we see about Joseph's attitude and his demeanor here? Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. When someone hurts us, the Bible teaches us to turn the other cheek. It teaches, uh, he teaches us to pray for our enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. That's the love of God. And you know what that's going to do? That is going to separate you from the world. That is going to cause them to draw near to you. That's going to cause them to seek you out for help, to ask for prayer, to ask for guidance, to ask for, for God's wisdom and direction in their life. That while one time they hurt you, they see that you are loving them and it's showing them that it's the love of God in your life. It's the love of God in your heart. Praise God. We have to love and we have to forgive. And yes, we have to love beyond betrayal, just as Joseph did. He chose to forgive. We have to love like we mean it. And here, as I want to I start to prepare to close this, I want to talk about the power of being forgiven and how that impacts the love that you and I have. Think of it. Think of where you've came from, how merciful God has been to you and I, how gracious he's been. My goodness, how patient he's been with us. All the, all the mess-ups we've, we've done and all the hang-ups that we have and the trespasses and the sins and all the things that we do and how we can mess things up so many times, how God has been so gracious to you and I. He's forgiven us of much. In Luke chapter 7, verse 47, we see here the truth 
spoken that the one that is forgiven much loves much. And here we see this passage where this, this woman who was convinced she was a sinner, she was convicted of her sins, and she came to Jesus, and, and she threw herself at his feet. She began to wash his feet and weep and cry, and she was sorry for her sins. But the disciples started to look at her, and they started to, in their own hearts and minds, condemn her. Who does she think she is? She's a sinner. She's filthy. She's wretched. How, how dare her come to the feet of Jesus? But Jesus had something so powerful and profound to say to his disciples. Luke 7, 47. I tell you, her sins, as they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. And I want to spend a moment here tonight. Because if we find that we have difficulty and trouble loving other people, we have to look in our hearts and understand, do we really realize how much God has forgiven you and I? How merciful he's been to you. How gracious he's been to your life. And that truth will cause us to get off our high horse, so to speak. I'm having trouble loving that person. Oh, man, do you know what they've done to me? Do you know how, how much they've hurt me? And, and they've done this and they've done that. They've said this. And, and, and I wouldn't dare do those things that they do. And I wouldn't dare go to those places that they go. Oh, really? So you're perfect now. You're in a place of judgment, are you? Man, God has been merciful to you. God has been so merciful to you and I. And see, if we understand how gracious God has been to us, each and every one of us, no one is exempt here. If you've been in this church for years and years and you were raised in this church, praise God for that. That is a beautiful testimony. That is a blessing. Praise God. But your sin and my sin and, and, and even, yes, our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags when it comes to God's holiness and righteousness. So we need God's grace each and every day. We need God's grace. We need his forgiveness each and every day. And if we understand that in each day, and if we don't get down on ourselves, I'm not telling you to beat yourself up, and we don't, we, don't, you know, we don't do that, but we understand the forgiveness of God, and we understand how graceful God has been and how merciful he is. So, yes, I can, I can come to church in my right mind. I can be blessed to encourage someone else, not because I am perfect or I've arrived, but because God's been so gracious to me. And if God's been gracious to me, I'll tell you, brother and sister, he could be gracious to you. You may feel that you're washed up. You may feel that God's done with you, but I'll tell you what, God is not done with me and because of that fact I know that he's not done with you because I have my hang-ups I'll tell you what God's been gracious to me by God's grace I am still here by God's grace I'm still here and that's the love that we can have for this world it causes us to be able to give them a, a godly love to show them a godly love not, not that we're perfect, and, but, but that we're a work in progress, and, and we're right there alongside you. That is, God's being graceful to you. God's being graceful to me as well. As we understand the forgiveness of Christ, we're going to be able to love others, praise God. And it's going to help us to look past their trespasses and their offenses. Because why? God's looked past our trespasses and our offenses. 
If you and I have such a hard time loving others, perhaps we're forgetting how much we've been forgiven. This can involve our upbringing, and I know, I'll tell you what, I know we come from different backgrounds, and I know perhaps you've been through some difficult times in your upbringing, and, and the topic of love is something that you struggle with. But thank you, Jesus, we could look at his word. We could come to church and hear the, the unadulterated word of God talking about love and how we should love. It doesn't matter how you were brought up or what you experienced. The Lord can teach you his love, and he could demonstrate his love through you to others. Praise God. As our uh, worship team makes their way up, I want to close with this passage tonight. We talk about the power of understanding how much we have been forgiven and how that impacts our ability to love others. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45, he says this, but I, the Lord says this, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. Love your en enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That is the love of God. I've seen that in my life. I've seen where I've been in a place on the receiving end of grace and forgiveness from someone that I've hurt. Someone that I may have, have, have gotten cross with or said something, but... When they treat me with love, it's just like a slap in my face, man, because I, I see the love of God demonstrated there. Like, man, they're so gracious. They're so merciful. They're compassionate to me. Even though, yes, I may have hurt them or I said something, that is such a testimony to me, and it's an encouragement for me to be like that to others. When I've been hurt, when I've been offended, we get offended, right? Man, people say things or they give us that look or they do things or whatever it may be. We get offended sometimes. But if we're going to be the children, the sons and daughters of God that he's called us to be, it's going to be in this area right here, in the area of love. Perhaps you've been offended in this place. Someone has trespassed in your life and, and, and crossed the, 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 the lines and the bounds in your life, and they've hurt you. And some of, some of us have such a difficult time letting go of it. And what happens is the precious gift of time that God's given each and every one of us that is so precious, it begins to be lost because we let that moment go by and then we let a day go by we let a week go by and then a month and then months and then and then a year goes by and and through the span of time if 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 we could have just found it in our heart to say you know what i forgive you i forgive you god's forgiven me he's forgiven me so many times so i can forgive you your that relationship is important we have to have the right attitude and the right perspective because hurts. And I, and I don't say this lightly. I understand we've been hurt. We've been offended, and these things hurt us. Man, they hurt us. I understand that. I, they, that's real. That's true. But what is also real and what is also true is God's command for us to love one another. How sweet it is for brothers to dwell in perfect harmony, the Bible says. That's God's will. 
God's will is not for you to be at odds with each and every person, this person that hurts you and this person and this person. That's not God's will for your life. God's will for our lives is to forgive. And if we have to make some changes because, with relationships because we don't want to be, you know, I'm not saying that we're supposed to put ourselves in a place where we're going to be abused and hurt and hindered. I'm not saying that. But if that's not the case, then why haven't you forgiven yet? Is it perhaps because we've lost sight of how much God's forgiven us? That we've climbed up the ladder and there's maybe some self-righteousness that's taking place in our heart. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good and God's brought me so far and I, I would never do those things. Our righteousness is as fil filthy rags. Forgive. Time is too precious. Your relationships are too precious. If we don't deal with those things in those areas, the Bible says that that unforgiveness, it'll turn into bitterness. Bible teaches us that that bitterness will, will, will spring up and grow forth in our heart and it'll defile you and I. It'll actually, do, actually defile us. It's not God's will. His will is to forgive. If anyone had it, the right to harbor unforgiveness and to, to, to say what he wanted to say and to judge right then and there, it was Jesus. What did he say? God forgive them for they don't know what they do. Next time I'm offended or I'm, I'm, I'm betrayed, Lord, let that be my attitude. God, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you bless them, help them, teach them your love. God, show them your mercy that you've shown me. And we could pray with a healthy heart. We could pray that righteous prayer because we have a clean heart. And it's as we understand the love of God says we understand the love of God. Praise God. Tonight, let's bow our heads tonight as we prepare to pray.